Welcome to Why the Long Face, two old friends lifting the lid on mental health over a beer with author and psychiatrist Paul Keedwell and business consultant and so-called comedian Ollie Turnbull. Welcome to Why the Long Face, everybody. So, yeah, so I, um, well, I kind of didn't need my doctor to tell me this, but I do need to lose a bit of weight. Uh, but no, gonna... you need anybody who's come within a mile of you with right. a pair of working eyes. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, I'm aiming at a five, five to seven K. Ten. But, I mean, five is hard enough ask, isn't it? No, well, I lost ten once. Especially as the, th- the crucial thing is going to be to cut down the alcohol. You, you need to lose ten. Um, I, can, I can tell <laughs> that from here. and There's a table between us. <laughs> You're, um, you're a How big... much have you got to lose? Same, but I'm not going to. The same? Yeah, I'm going to lose the same as you. But you're morbidly obese. I'm, I'm gross obese. I'm just overweight. Get this, I'm gross obese, not morbidly obese. Oh, right. Morbidly obese means uh, almost certain death. That you need a, I'm gross you need obese. a hoist, basically. Yeah. <laughs> That's Henry VIII in his latter years, hoist again on the horse obese. I'm gross obese. Okay, yeah. all right. We're not as far away from morbid as you think but I'm still enjoying um, a Villa Maria but listen man I'm going to be very supportive of your of your. thank you but I I have um, because I don't want you to drink all the wine we've only true. got half a bottle there. and I I have actually poured myself a glass but yeah. that's what I'm going to stop at that please do because I've only because had a couple a gen- down because actually a, a glass or a small glass mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. day yes. is better than no wine I don't believe all that it's a J-shaped it, it, curve but anyway, we're having a. We um, normally have a. I normally have a savvy blanc, and, and um, <coughs> doctor. The doctor will have uh, a, a rioco or something red normally. But he's having some of a Villa Maria, and it's all right. It was like a. It was like it's 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 okay, but not a, not, mm. not brilliant. Yes, thank you, Isle of Turnbull, mm. sommelier to no one. Mm. Um, yes. So, what are we talking about tonight? Guys? Well, we're talking about manliness, and we're talking about depression in men. We had Ooh. a. Yes. An episode, one of my favourite ones we've done so far on depression in women. And we, got, yeah. we got good feedback about that. But there is... Yeah, we did. From the, some people. <laughs> from some people and other people. Yeah. Just the usual... The usual. The usual, Paul, why do you hang around? Or just the usual indifference. But anyway, yeah. it, was, it was not a bad episode, that. Well, I, I, I enjoyed it. And so we thought we'd do one on, on male depression and touch on hidden depression as well, which often affects men which is suffering in silence I mm. guess mm. Um, having low level symptoms but being able to carry on functioning depression uh, it's, it's often uh. called and we thought we would explore uh, a couple of those issues from a from a male mm. perspective which we should be able to do being men yeah yeah so I think you you hit the nail on the head with hidden because I we suspect or this I think increasingly the profession suspects that this these headline figures of prevalence of depression in men and women may not be uh, indicative of the real level of suffering out there in men because mm-hmm. it's a kind of two to one ratio of lifetime risk, isn't it, female to male? Mm. But uh, there are increasingly a large number of re- researchers going, hey, uh, hold on a minute, you know, men are not that great at talking about their emotions and they're not that great at being in touch with them. So if you're going to do a survey, a community survey of uh, depression symptoms are men going to report them all and are they going to have the typical ones that we that, that we have talked about so when you say not able to express them are you saying that uh, sometimes men can be restricted in the language used to express how you feel I think so ah, yeah interesting. well just because they're less practiced at it 
Because I think uh, society's norms are such that men are not encouraged to talk about their emotions, mm. women are. And do you think that is society, or do you think there's some biological factor going on? It could be. Um, I, I suspect not. I suspect that men and women are equally capable of talking about their emotions. In fact, I know they are, in the right environment. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that, that it's societal. I, I had an encouraging thing that I heard from my son, who's 20, and he was t- talking openly about the struggles one of his friends had, with anxiety, for example. Right. And they were talking at it as openly as uh, when I was younger, you know, you'd, you'd be as open talking about football or whatever. But I would never have had the vocabulary or the experience at 20 to be able to understand what anxiety was, right. I don't think, back in the when I was 20 and mid-1980s so whereas him it seemed to come much more naturally so I, I, well that's good I'm yeah I'm naturally optimistic. It's encouraging yeah um, it, it shows that the, the thing well that's 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 that I suppose suggests that it is it is an kind of old-fashioned it's increasingly old-fashioned male stereotype that the man has to be strong and not express his emotions and yet I can still remember when I was brought up I went to a, a fairly strict prep school in Yorkshire yeah. I remember quite distinctly uh, the teacher saying, "Stop looking so sad. What are you going to do? You're going to cry. Stop being a crybaby." When I was mm. upset, and it it sort of stays with you, I think, and you think, "Oh, okay, no, I don't yeah. want to be a crybaby." You're right. That sounds humiliating. Um, mm. So that was certainly going on when I was growing up, and I'm sort of hoping that it's 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 less these days. But right, yeah, because if you look at the the sort of the literature on how men might express depression. Uh, irritability, really, and uh, aggression. That's what I've read. Uh huh. Is that is that sort of low level hidden depression, or is that the sign of a, a proper? I think if you then ask the right problem. questions, you mm. probably determine that they've got all the they, they tick all the boxes for right. for major depression. But it's just that they don't necessarily express it. Mm. Um, they don't say I'm feeling sad. They don't fail say I'm feeling um, down. Necessarily, you might get this. Oh, just, just leave me alone. Yes, just leave me alone. Yes, because they're trying to be strong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Too busy trying to be strong. And the other one is, um, I feel tired. So they might complain of the physical com- complicate. Uh, mm. Yeah, well, the phys- physical symptoms of depression, I guess, more uh, than the emotion- <coughs> emotional. Can't yeah. concentrate. Feeling tired. Don't know what it is. Mm. Shoulders are a bit heavy. It's funny, isn't it? Because actually there's something more comforting about feeling tired than there is about imagining that you're suffering from a mental illness. Even saying the phrase mental illness, it sounds a bit scary to me, mm. uh, maybe because I'm a bloke, but uh, it, it, it's actually something that's quite scary to admit to. Studies seem to suggest that men are less good at developing support networks. Uh, yeah. About a year ago, um, someone I knew vaguely um, came out, as we call it, uh, on Facebook. And um, he was a larger-than-life character, ex-army, very tough guy, uh, muscles, tattoos, just what you'd expect from a, uh, a sort of macho, uh, but, you know, not in, a, not in an unpleasant way at all, but he was a very masculine man, uh, drank a lot, played a lot, um, liked chasing women. And uh, he came out and said, everybody I'd like to announce that last night I tried to take my own life. Uh, and mm-hmm. the reason I did is because I've been suffering from depression. I've been denying it. Um, uh, and now uh, I've got to this crisis stage. Thank goodness I was saved. Mm. Uh, and it's my opportunity to you know, tell the world my story. And it was very moving wow. and very positive. And guess what the reaction was from his friends on Facebook? 
Positive, of course, overwhelmingly, universally, overwhelmingly mm. positive. I put a message mm. in as well. I don't know this chap very well. I really, really liked him, um, uh, and again, it was a shock. It was almost like, how could he? And this made me start to think about hidden depression and how right. men, right. particularly, particularly <clears throat> people who will be traditionally called masculine men, army guys, sports guys, feel even even more than your, your average fellow. Yeah. They have to hide it because they've got this persona to live up to, yeah. and the fact that he. He, thank God, uh, he was found and he, he wasn't able to take his own life. Um, he found this A, this new lease of life, and B, um, this desire to tell the world, if you like, um, mm -hmm. about his vulnerability. Mm. And it, not only was just that he was just the same likable guy as he was before, I had even more respect for him for, for, for doing yeah. this, as did his friends, both his friends that he'd met. Uh, you know, working in an office like he met me and his army mates. It was yeah. really quite touching, right. the outpouring of affection for this man and also the understanding and the occasionally someone would say, hey, when well, his name was, I've been there. Right. And, you, and they, they encouraged him to tell their story. Yeah. Which uh, is a brave thing to do given that there is still, well, there's still a stigma attached to depression, but particularly, I think, in men. Well, and they, because they present later, don't they? They don't present depression if it doesn't sort of resolve itself within a month. It's likely to last for maybe six months, right, before mm -hmm. you come out of it. And that's assuming that you are not exposed to the same stresses that led to the depression in the first place, right? Or relationship difficulties, or whatever it was, the background of life difficulties that that were there when the depression came along. So let me just be clear about what you're saying so if you're saying you're you're struggling with a relationship or a, a problem with um, your boss at work or whatever and that 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 or with men often uh, a classic one with men as well as money money worries right and they lead you into Huge. depression you're saying even if the stressor is removed there's mm. still a period where the brain has to let's say recover yeah i think so you know whether what, whatever treatment you end up with which might be medication might be an antidepressant or it might be talking therapy or a combination of both why not um, curtail your suffering because <laughs> we've got those treatments available. Yeah, as so, and as soon right? as possible. It, depression can deepen. It can get worse mm. if you just ignore it. Mm. Uh, if you ignore the depression and or ignore the circumstances that led to it and don't correct mm. those, then, yeah, then uh, something that was perhaps a mild depression becomes more severe. Uh, other symptoms develop. And, well, we've talked about one serious complication of ignoring depression, which is a suicide attempt. Yeah. You know, um, and, and, and that's why I think there must be more depression than the official statistics suggest. Or it's just that men, but I also think men probably present later or don't present at all. And that could well be part of the reason why men make up most of the suicide statistics, yeah. 75%. That's what really worries me, the, the hidden nature of it, okay? Yeah. It almost seems like there's an additional... So, so if you're suffering from depression and, and you come out and you're starting to get treatment, that, that's a release already, mm. I would imagine. But mm. when it's hidden, it's like a double whammy. One, you're suffering, and two, the energy you're expending in mm. actually hiding it from the world because you have to function and you have to mm. pretend, if you like, lie to a certain extent mm. um, so that people think you're okay. It's almost like mm. it's almost like double the effort for the poor, the yes. poor sufferer. I'm also thinking damage to relationships uh, the longer the depression goes on. Mm. If you're not disclosing it. Yeah. If you're keeping that hidden from your partner, for example, your wife, mm. spouse, uh, that can lead to the breakdown in that relationship if you're not careful. And then then that's another thing to cope with. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it feeds them. Can I just, at this point, it might not be timely to 
do so, but it seems reasonable to do so. That, uh, that there might. What I'm hoping is that there might be someone listening to this randomly, mm. um, thinking, uh, I'm wondering whether this is me. I haven't been happy for a while. I haven't been getting as much pleasure as I have out of stuff for a while. But I don't think I'm depressed. I don't feel that you know I could go to a psychiatrist uh, in order for to get diagnosed as a mental illness. Yeah. But what we're saying is... It, I don't feel sad. I'm not indulging yeah, in that. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. That's exactly. I don't want to moan. And I don't want to moan. I don't want to be a problem. Mm. I'm just feeling flat. What would you advise as a, a professional clinician as the kind of symptoms that someone might have this hidden low-level depression, which yeah. again might could, could get worse, but would get better so much quicker with an intervention now? What are the sort of symptoms that someone, I'm just imagining a, a, a guy, and of course, could, of course it could be a woman, listening to this going, well, I don't know. You mean the early, thought. the kind of exactly early right. warning signs? Exactly, exactly. So you might be struggling a bit to sleep at night, whatever your hobbies are they're tailing off a bit and you notice that you're not quite so interested in meeting up with your mates and all those social things you'd rather spend time on your own and what about irritability is that irritability sounds ridiculous isn't it you're a bit grumpy i mean that doesn't mean you're depressed is it but can it be a it can a be a sign as we said before i think you know just becoming increasingly irritable could be part of it yeah yeah um we find you losing your temper easily because what about drinking more or other substance abuse yeah, um, I suppose what I was trying to get at were the there will still be some core symptoms like you're not getting as much pleasure from things as you used to. But yeah, I think that men are more likely than women to end up with uh, dependence on alcohol uh, or drugs. That's just a fact. Um, and I think a, a good proportion of those men, the route into that problem um, was depression. I read something actually earlier today on a, a website called Exploring Your Mind, and it said all those things that you've mentioned. It also said something about social situations. Right. And people with low-level or hidden um, insidious depression sometimes start to feel less comfortable in social situations. They mm. feel a little bit more on edge. They feel the conversations are pointless, uh, small-talky. Uh, they can't really mm. get much, much pleasure out of them, but they're not really interested in interacting socially as yeah. well. Less interested. Yeah. yeah. And, and maybe um, maybe they're lacking in confidence, which means they feel they've got less to contribute contribute that that as well, which is probably why they're feeling edgier. Do yeah. you think? Um, do you think that let's call it hidden depression? I know I know it's not a real thing, um, but it's something that we that we're talking about here as a, a symptom of someone who um, may be heading towards something more serious. Do you, do you consider it? When do you consider something a clinical illness? Um, and is it is it sometimes unhelpful to try and categorise depression? And really, the the, the 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 most sensible thing to do is categorise it as a set of symptoms with a varying amount of severity, which is on a which is on a spectrum, if you like. And when the severity of those symptoms becomes so bad that it affects daily functioning, daily life, or it it persists mm. or it dominates people's mm. thinking, that that's when you should start thinking in terms of a of a clinical illness. Um, well, that's that's when we'd start to call it a disorder, I guess. Yes, a, an illness or depressive, or ma clinical depression or major depression uh, or depressive illness is when um, it's affecting your functioning. Yeah, but I wouldn't. I suppose you don't want to wait until the point where you literally can't go into work anymore mm. <laughs> to seek help. You know? Right. <clears throat> so it's that it's that period when you are really struggling 
to maintain the same level of performance yeah, if that makes sense and you get home at the end of the day you're completely exhausted and yeah. you kind of collapse and well, you've you're, got, you're struggling you haven't with... got any energy yeah. left for I don't know talking to your, to your partner or your kids or, yeah um, I think a really useful one is the, is taking less pleasure in things mm. because people love uh, playing with the kids people love following their football team people love having a laugh with their spouse and their mates yeah. it's quite a distinct difference from normality when you think I just I can't yeah. bother to see anyone I just want to stay alone I don't even are you watching the telly or doing very little um, I yeah get, yeah and it's it can it can creep up gradually mm. so if you find that it's tailing off have a think about why that might be what would you do first I mean would you would you get professional involvement if, if someone's listening to this and thinking actually some of these symptoms I mean I, I don't feel there's no point in going on I don't, I don't know that far but I am taking less interest in the magazines I used to read the newspapers I used to read um, yeah, I'm feeling flat and exhausted in the evenings and, and, and withdrawing a little bit so socially is that the time to seek medical help I don't see why not I think if you've got a good relationship with your with your GP I would have a chat with your GP but I suppose a step before that might be a, a, a friend you can trust or, or your partner or a family member who knows you well why not mention it and just changing changing your life a bit mm. rather than just plowing on and, and ignoring what your mind is telling you mind and body your pleasure system is shutting down a little bit and you're you haven't got as much energy. That's telling you something. That's telling you that your brain is exhausted. Um, depression is is something that men need to get better at talking about and seeking help for, because the longer you you leave it, the more you run the risk of that depression deepening. We've mentioned suicide. We've mentioned harm to relationships. We've mentioned unnecessary suffering. The more severe depression get, uh, gets and the longer it goes on for, that, that then increases the risk of relapse in the future. So there's almost a case of you, you owe it to yourself to protect yourself if you start to feel the early signs mm. because that will hold you in better stead later. Yeah. The more severe depression gets, the more mm. likely it is to recur. It's a little bit like um, looking after any one of your organs. Uh, if yeah. You're like, if you're like eating too much, drinking too much, and you're running the risk of diabetes, uh, it's better to stop doing mm. the things that are putting you at risk earlier mm. than to um, keep going and, and have a bigger problem later. I never really thought of it that way, but that's uh, yeah. I think there is there is something to be said for that. Could I change the topic slightly and going going back to men? But this doesn't just affect men as uh, as well as uh, it affects women as well. And that is um, the statistic that we were talking about uh, earlier about the prevalence of depression in people in the army or people in the armed forces, yeah. specifically the army. And I was struck uh, very profoundly by the fact that both for men and women yeah. um, serving in the army, uh, it was just the army I read about, the prevalence of depression is double what it is in the civilian population. Mm. And two things occurred to me. Uh, when reading that, which I'd like your opinion on. One is, um, obviously, being in the army can be, um, at its extreme, an incredibly um, stressful uh, occupation, and therefore one might expect there to be some vulnerabilities to mental illness. You are going to expose yourself to trauma that is way beyond the normal spectrum of trauma that most mm. of us 
would experience. Um, the rate of PTSD in our war veterans, of course, is pretty high. Which um, is not surprising given the level of... Um, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, if you do actually serve and you see s- s- atrocities and you, um, you know, narrowly escape with your life um, and you're left with survivor guilt and all those sorts of things, again, mm. um, that is hugely associated with depression. In fact, um, <clears throat> I used to work in a clinic with which was a complex depression anxiety and trauma clinic and um, most of the men that I saw there and it was predominantly men who'd been in war war torn situations some army some civilians and they nearly all had quite severe depression and I think that the longer that PTSD goes untreated the more likely you are to then develop depression it's not surprising and is it even worse for a soldier uh, to admit to mental frailty because uh, you're a soldier you're, you're a fighter you're, um, you're, you're you're the epitome of manhood in many ways um d- d- did you find these guys I suspect I suspect that's the case I mean that when you talk uh, you probably are self-selecting for those for that kind of guy mm. although the, the environment is definitely going to be encouraging male stereotypes of being in control mm. rainy in your emotions and getting, on, and getting on with the job and being strong you really um, do do feel for uh, these guys, uh, don't you? And yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you can understand that that um, is the approach the army takes because I suppose in the, in the heat of battle, other men's welfare depends on you keeping your your shit together. But you you do fear for yeah. these young guys who want action, they want adventure, uh, and you fear if they're not educated in in what risk it's putting them. Not physical risk, mental risk, which is sometimes even more. Um, yeah, you, you would hope suffering. that there would be a, a good systematic screening for conditions that might predispose you to PTSD, like a pre-existing kind of anxiety disorder or um, having experienced uh, some trauma mm. in your early life, which might might make you more likely to suffer. So mm. that's, a, that's an area to look at. But also I think, I wonder if there's more that can be done with people in, in the theatre of war I met a guy at a party, he was quite high up in the army, telling me about how infantrymen had responded better to a trauma. So, for example, your fellow combat soldier gets blown up by a landmine next to you. They should actually uh, be conveyed to barracks with the rest of the men rather than taken to a hospital to see the psychiatrist, take time out Mm. and so on. He thought that it was probably more therapeutic for them to be back in with the with the with the lads as it were and talking about it is that for two things is that one to get back to normality as quickly as possible rather than to make it look rather than make it be a, a, a therapeutic event and also actually because his comrades are better at giving them they might official therapy i think, therapy, I think more that yeah yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Mm. do we have a summary um, i mean i think the most important thing for me and then you can summarize, summarize properly uh, for, to me, the thing that, that that's screaming out from this is the thing that we always say. Um, if you're suffering, or even if you can relate to some of the things that we say in terms of symptoms, the worst thing to do is nothing about it. Or if you know a guy who is getting a bit more irritable than usual, it's worth talking to him about other symptoms of depression. I'm in pain. I don't know why. It doesn't seem to leave me. I'm exhausted because I can't sleep. I'm so pissed off with it. 
uh, it can come out in aggression. I think because you've held on to it for so long and you and you told yourself you should be in control and you're not in control anymore. You know? And you're a man and you've got to be in control and that's what men do. And so listen, boys, you've learned to uh, you've <laughs> learned to you've learned to inspect your testicles. If you can inspect your testicles, and if you're over fifty, if you don't mind a doctor inspecting your asshole, inspect your brains. They're even more important. <laughs> Indeed. And on that note, we'll uh, we'll bid you adieu. Hey, thanks for joining us on Why the Long Face. As ever, we're here to inform, hopefully, and entertain, but we're not here to give you medical advice. There is, however, information on our website, ytlf.com, that's W-H-Y-T-L-F.com, about where to get help. See you next time.